Tuning in to the 239th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you all for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Radio, SoundCloud, or whatever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via. Also, special shout out to everybody listening via WJCU, the John Carroll radio station, being recorded from Buffalo, New York, as always. So, we're going to have a great podcast for you guys today. Going to have Kenny Simmons, scouting expert for 247 Sports, and we are going to dive into uh, Julian Edelman. Uh, is he a Hall of Famer? Is he not a Hall of Famer? We're going to talk about the Browns, Davion Clowney, uh, him signing, uh, the Clowney, like I said, signing with the Browns. We're also going to dive into some NFL draft stuff, whether it be the quarterbacks and some position by position, who is the number one guy for Kenny. So we're going to dive into that as well. But before I get into that, I want to stop you guys right here, right now. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, thank you. But I'm going to ask you is to subscribe and follow right now. Also, what I'm going to ask you guys to do is share this podcast with your friends and family on all your social media platforms, Facebook group chats, and Reddit threads and message boards. And subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane and you will be able to find it there. I post my syndicate show, Outside the Shop, on there, as well as NFL Draft stuff and five to ten minute clips of this podcast. And also, as I keep saying, another and. Follow me on Twitter at Nitrain underscore Lane. And lastly... Leave a five-star review on Apple or iTunes, and for some odd reason, if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say it at all. But that won't be an issue. And with that, kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to have Kenny Sam, kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have the man, the myth, the legend, Kenny Sims, scouting expert for 247 Sports. He hasn't been on in a while, but we have him back again by popular demand. Kenny, how you been, man? Daryl, I'm doing good. I'm good to be back in the barbershop, talking football and really start cranking out, you know, the draft coming up in a few weeks um, and, 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 and doing that, so that'd be good. Yeah, and definitely, everybody, stay tuned for that. We're going to be uh, releasing some good content in the next couple of weeks. We're going to have Kenny on uh, a lot more as the draft fastly approaches. So first, before I get into any draft stuff, what I do and ask is this. So Julian Elliman announces he's going to retire, and as soon as he announces his retirement, there's this firestorm of, is Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer or not? Kenny, what are your thoughts? You know, I think Julian Edelman, I think he's in the Hall of Really Good. Maybe not the Hall of Fame. Uh, you take a look at Ju- Julian Edelman, really good career. And you really don't want to say, and, and you, you know, if you say he's not a Hall of Famer, you feel like you have to kind of bring down in the greatest career. And, and he had a remarkable career. 12 years, seventh round pick, cor- quarterback at Penn State. Um, uh, I remember when he got drafted, actually. Um, one of the, one of the, uh, the trainers that worked with him, I worked with him back in high school, and he said, you know, the Patriots took this kid out of Kent State, the quarterback. He's like, he's going to make this team. He's going to find, find a way to make this team. He's been gritty, um, and, and he's had some really remarkable playoff successes. But take a look at uh, Julian Edelman in his career. I think he has fewer receiving yards than Nate Washington, Jeremy Macklin, Dwayne Bowe. Um, and, you know, to be in the Hall of Fame, I really think you have to be one of the top five guys at your position for a, a good amount of time, a good span. And he's never been that. He's never been a top 15 receiver in the NFL. Um, so I think Hall of really good, not Hall of Fame. Now, there's a couple things when you mentioned that. First, I want to say this. So when your friend's talking to you about this, what did you think at that time? Did, were you kind of like, what is, is this guy just blowing smoke up my butt? This dude isn't going to make the team. Or you're like, okay, maybe there is something there. Because I don't know how much you got a chance to watch 
I don't want to lose that Kent State, but do you ever think like, oh, like this guy would be able to transition from quarterback and not only that, he'd be able to be a really productive wide receiver? Like what were your thoughts on that just coming into that whole thing? No, so coming in, so 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 I knew there was a quarterback at Kent State, um, and you know, it wasn't it's not uncommon for a quarterback to transfer to wide receiver, um, whether it's Heinz Ward, Antoine Randall L, Matt Jones of Arkansas, so he was going to make the conversion to quarterback uh, and try uh, or make make the conversion to wide receiver in the NFL. I'm going to try that out. Um, so, you know, I knew he was just a really a really good athlete at Kent State. So I think he was capable of maybe catching on a roster for a couple of years of so being a seventh round pick. You know, two or three years on a team, maybe two years on a team actually, and then you kind of float around that practice squad back end of the roster that churns out on almost every team. Um, so that was kind of what I was thinking, um, that he definitely had the ability to make an NFL roster, but just being a seventh-round pick, make that transition to wide receiver, how long was he going to stay there um, in in the league? And he was he's really gritty, um, made a lot of plays when his number was called, extremely reliable, and he really caught, carved out a remarkable career. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of good playoff moments from him. Um, so that was kind of what I was thinking at the time, and that was 12 years ago. So that was back in like 2009, 2010, if I remember. So... What do you think New England saw in him that made him think, okay, this is a guy? Do you think he was just, do you think, because sometimes, you know, teams are like, obviously, you know, you want all your picks to be good, but I don't think any team comes and thinking, you know, our seventh round pick is going to give us production for nearly a decade. Do, do, do you think, well, what do you think New England saw him, in him to say, like, okay, this guy can be something for us? Yeah, so, 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 so I think, I think it was, a, um, if I remember, I was listening to this story a couple days um, locally, I think. There was a uh, a local reporter in either Cleveland or the Kent State area that kind of mentioned that to Belichick. He said, you know, take a look at this Kent State quarterback. He's a really good athlete, even not quarterback, maybe at wide receiver. Uh, so, so, so what I think the Patriots saw is they saw somebody very really good in just those short spaces, those quick movements. Um, like a quarterback escaping the pressure, but now a wide receiver kind of getting open in the slot. And over time, which was true for his career, I, I, I think they just saw just, a, just a, a tough, smart, accountable football player. So, you know, those, those are the type of receivers that Belichick likes, Brady liked over the years, is he's going to be smart, tough. He's going to be in his spot uh, when, when he needs to be. And kind of go from there and try to have that. So, so you you have that aspect, those intangible aspects, with a type of an athlete that's probably not there a lot in the seventh round. So take a flyer on him and see what you could do. And a lot of times, when you have kind of kind of a short, shifty player, is you start them off. Um, being in the back of the receiver room is you got to play multiple spots in special teams. And that's how Edelman started off was, I think he was a punt returner. He did that for the first part of his career for a good amount, start him off there and then work him into the offense. Can you just also talk about like the type of athlete it is? Because I don't think people realize that when they look at Julie Edelman, like he's okay, your typical like slot receiver. But, But can you just talk, because he's an amazing athlete. Like Julian, Julian Edelman's kind of a freak. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Strong. Um, but for being like a running quarterback um, in, in, in college and transferring that to the NFL, is you got to be able to win in short areas. So just that quick, sudden movement, just, just whether you want to fake one side and go the other or understand leverage with a corner if he's playing you inside or outside, I'd use that to kind of set him up, uh, you know, if he's playing outside shoulder, set him up and make it look like you're kind of running a fade or running an out route, and then you quickly cut in, you're wide open over the middle on a drag. So so I think just, just, just that sudden 
start-stop ability. Um, kind of seeing, you know, like like that, uh, like that five ten five uh, drill that you see at pro days. You run five yards, sprint ten, and then you change your direction and run five others. That type of um, athletic ability is just just quick movements in short spaces, and Edelman really perfected that over his career, um, and, and really used that just to, just to rack up, you know, several times, multiple 10-plus catches a game, and, and really operating in the slot like that. And I also think being a quarterback, it, it, it helps you understand coverage and routes. So I think that kind of gave him a leg up um, when he made the transition to wide receiver. Now, in terms of him being a Hall of Famer, could I make this argument for you, Kenny? And at the end of the day, I'd probably agree with what you're saying, but could I say that for the last decade, he was a top five slot wide receiver? Maybe not an outside receiver? But that's also an important distinction, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, being a top five slot slot receiver like that, um, and, and a lot of times, you know, um, getting into the Hall of Fame, it also favors guys on winning teams. So, you know, you take a look at a guy like a, take a look at a guy like a Jerome Bettis or, uh, yeah. you know, back in the 70s with the Steelers with, with, with a Jack Star- yeah. Starworth or a Lynn Swan. You know, you take a look at their credentials and what they did. You know, it was pretty good, but it wasn't Hall of Fame level. But I think being in the playoffs and multiple, multiple Super Bowls, it really gives you that leg up over somebody that's never been in the playoffs before. So I think that might be something that eventually gets, you know, Edelman looked at is, yeah, he had nice stats, but, 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 but look at the plays and the moments that he came through um, in, in playoffs and Super Bowls for those New England teams. At the end of the day, I think we both agree, right? Edelman's not going to be a Hall of Famer, but will he? Will he actually have a shot? Does that winning, will that winning play into the minds of voters? Um, I mean, that's going to be the pro on his side. Um, but there's a backlog for wide receivers. We're, we're just so many receivers that have just multiple Pro Bowls and all pros. You take a look at like an Andre Johnson, a Fitzgerald. Torrey Holt isn't even in the Hall of Fame. And Torrey Holt was arguably one of the one of the two or three best receivers in the early part of the 2000s. Neither is Heinz um, Ward. I believe Reggie Wayne's not either. Exactly. I was going to say Torrey Holt and Reggie Wayne are the two that have um, the edge. If you picture like like a single file line of receivers that want to get into this Hall of Fame building. And, and Heinz uh, Ward. Reggie Wayne and Torrey Holt are ahead of him. And then you have now, you know, I mean, we'll have to see in a couple of years how it plays out. But, you know, with the 17th game, it's going to make – you know, guys playing that extra game is going to make the current players if they kind of, you know, I'm thinking about somebody right now in their prime that has a couple of years left with the 17th game. It's going to make their numbers look a little good too when you accumulate all of those. But uh, I think receivers a position that has a backlog for the Hall of Fame. And like I said, I don't think if you were ever a top five guy at your position for multiple years, I think it's going to be really hard to get in the Hall of Fame. Now, I want to go to this, since you're a Browns fan. Jadavion Clowney to the Browns. Kenny, what were your thoughts on that move? You know, when they signed Jadavion Clowney, I think, you know, it's important to understand the player. I like the player. Um, I think I look at a guy like a Clowney, and I think if you understand what he is as a player, um, you, you can monitor your expectations better, so... With Clowney, he's really an outstanding run defender. Um, you know, really long, good length, heavy hands, and he's graded out. You know, excellent four out of five years as a run defender. So you have that working for you, and you know, working in a pool with Attack Kinley um, and whoever they get another end in the draft. You know, working on a pool there is he doesn't have to you know, have that burden of being the number one pass rusher, um, which, which, which he's, he's a, 
you know, he's an average pass rusher in the NFL, and and he's 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 just not totally polished um, to do that. So if you look at singular j- j- just on pure sacks, you're not going to be happy. But if you take a look at being a run defender, you know, getting pressure, he doesn't always get home, but he will get pressure. Um, and then and, and and then you know having him kick inside and using that length and that athletic ability on guards. You know, if you have one side of the line, Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney, that's very appealing in that NASCAR package that the Browns like to do with multiple pass rushers. So I think if you use him in that in, in that regard, um, he'll he'll be a productive player for you. Kenny, as I'm looking at this, we got to see Jadavion. He's been hurt the last couple years. Uh, ended the season on IR. Depending also what the Browns do in the draft, are we looking at the Browns as a potential team that can, you know, be in the AFC Championship game? I think so. I look at the Cleveland Browns, you know, getting clowny. I think the Browns had a really good offseason in free agency with the draft. And, you know, the end of the year, kind of in that five through eight range um, of, of, of playoff teams and power rankings, it didn't look at the Browns offseason and getting a clowny, getting a John Johnson, a Troy Hill, getting two fifths of the number one secondary in the NFL of the Rams and plucking them over, you know, getting guys like attack McKinley and Anthony Walker. Heading to the defense, the Browns really don't have any holes on their roster right now. So I think they're definitely a threat. Um, and I think in the AFC, the top three teams, you're looking at the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Browns. But this is a team that has no holes on their roster. And, and by Andrew Barry strategically picking up free agents, they're able to put a team out right now and compete. And they still have free eight, and, 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 and they still have to draft a nine picks in two weeks. So, so they don't need a draft for need. They could just sit back and take best player available, add some talent um, to a roster that I think is one of the five best rosters of the NFL now. You take a look at those three I mentioned, you know, Tampa, San Francisco, I think those are, uh, you know, the top five, top six rosters in football. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're getting going to get into some NFL draft stuff. Kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. We still have Kenny Sim with us, scouting expert for 247 Sports. So, Kenny, with the draft approaching, there's been a lot of talk with the San Francisco 49ers at pick number three. Now, they traded up, uh, and they got the third pick, and now everybody's talking about quarterback. Quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. You've heard names like Trey Lance. Justin Fields, Mac Jones. Right now, looks like the leader in the clubhouse is Mac Jones. I believe Adam Schefter reported that it would be Mac Jones. And I think, I don't know, I, I kind of trust what Adam Schefter's reporting, though you never know, because sometimes people lie, they mislead. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors going on during this time of year with reporting. But what are your thoughts of potentially Kyle Shanahan and John Lentz with the number three overall pick in the 2021 NFL Draft selecting Mac Jones out of Alabama? Yeah, you, you know they they, you know they um, you know they traded three first round picks to move up to three. Um, I know some were saying two, but they they traded their current number twelve pick. That's three first picks. But they traded three first round picks to move up to number three. I just I just see a hard time justifying that. And you know you look at Mac Jones as the player. And say so you're going to trade three first-round picks to move all the way up to three and then take Mac Jones on that. Now, now with Kyle Shanahan, really good developer of quarterbacks, really good evaluator of quarterbacks. He can win with multiple different options, multiple skill sets. Um, but, you know, moving up to three, I just find that surprising that they're actually going to turn in the card Um for Mac Jones on that as opposed to a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance. Now, 
maybe they're trying to get that out there, get a little bit of the chilling effect, maybe some negative thoughts on number three. They go, oh, Mac Jones, number three. I said, you know, it's not looked at positively. And then they actually take a Trey Lance and Justin Fields. It makes some people have a sigh of relief, and then they like to pick even more. Or maybe they're doing some posturing. You know, you, you as we get closer to the draft, whatever is reported, you got to believe less and less. So I just look at the beginning of the start. Um, you take a look at the evaluation of these quarterbacks, and I don't think anybody had Mac Jones over a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance. Now, I think Kyle Shanahan could win with Mac Jones, but I think he could win a lot with one of those other two. And that is fair. Is there any chance, because quickly I want to go to this, that they could, a guy we both love in the draft, Kyle Pitts. Why not? At number three, get Kyle Pitts. And you can have Kyle Pitts and George Kittle. And that can be, and that can be a double tight end duel that would rival Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski in New England. Yeah, so if, if, um, this reminds me of our conversation we had last year about, you know, what if the what if the um, Bengals took Chase Young at number one and then they get a top pick this year and take one of the top quarterbacks this year. They get Young and somebody similar to Joe Burrow. Um, you know, I could see the 49ers, if they were to get someone like Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts could play in the slot as a tight end. He could play X receiver. You got Kittle cleaning off and being that blocker. And then you get Ayuk um, and Samuel in that running game. And you add that with Jimmy Garoppolo, who's been very productive as a starter in San Francisco. You know, doing that is um, would be extremely impressive for San Francisco and put them in that tier with San Francisco, uh, with, with, with Tampa. But I just don't think, um, while that sounds good, I just don't think you move up and trade three first-round picks to move up and take a tight end. Even someone like Kyle Pitts, I think you trade those three first-round picks. When you trade those three first-round picks, I think you're going up and getting a quarterback. But if they take Mac Jones, though, to me, what sense does that make, Kenny? Do you think he's good enough? Is he better than Jimmy? What do you think they see in Mac Jones? I mean, I think what they see in Mac Jones, I think they could see a guy that, you know, could could operate within the offense if he has, you know, really good skill guys like an Ayuk, a Samuel, a Kittle, you know, he did really well with with the um with the skill guys he had at Alabama. Um and I and, and I also think, you know, potentially they really like what they see in terms of um, if they've interviewed him, they really like what they hear on the whiteboard, and he's just a he's just a football savant. And and you know with Kyle Shanahan, you get a lot of verbiage in the plays. It's a complex offense. There's a lot of verbiage, a lot of pre-snap motions and shifts. He can handle all that. You know, you're taking a look at a guy that really has a firm grasp as a rookie within the system, and Kyle Shanahan will find. Uh, he'll always get guys open and scheme guys wide open with that too. So this allows Kyle Shanahan to play quarterback for San Francisco. Um, but, you know, I think they could do something similar with a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields um, as long as they don't tank on the whiteboard. You know, I think both are just, just elite talents compared to Mac Jones. And you got that elite talent you got that running ability with both of them. And then, you know, Shanahan's going to get you in the right place to make plays and make things happen. Now, why can't they do all this with Jimmy Garoppolo? Is it the injury issues that you think is like, like can't they do yeah, all this? Yeah, I think that's the big thing, Daryl. I think that's the big thing is you take a look at Jimmy Garoppolo. I think the year they went to the Super Bowl was the – um. I think the one year in his career he's played all 16 games. And that is a concern because there's very few teams that can withstand um, getting to the playoffs when you have to put your backup quarterback in for the majority of the year. There's very few teams that can do that. So, you know, your season is a, 
uphill climb if your starter gets hurt for a big amount of time. And Jimmy Garoppolo has never been healthy for, I mean, and, and he's been in the league since 2014 now. You know, this is going on seven years. He's only played 16 games once for them. Um, so I think it gives them a little bit of ins- a, a, a little bit of insurance um, if Garoppolo does get hurt. And I think eventually, if you're taking a quarterback at three, um, you know, I think the writing's on the wall is by... 2022 at latest he'll be the full-time starter so you know if they do take a quarterback i think garoppolo would be on borrowed time and and he might get traded before the season i know they said i know they said that uh he's our guy for now it's toxic if you draft a quarterback at number three and expect jimmy garoppolo to mentor him it's toxic that's a toxic situation it's a toxic situation waiting to happen kenny yeah yeah I, i mean you don't know if he'll um kind of go into the tent like Carson Wentz did when they took Jalen Hurts and that was a second round pick as opposed to number three overall. Now, in terms of a prospect, how would you compare Justin Fields and Trey Lance to Mac? So I think with so so I think the advantage that both of those guys have over Mac Jones is one is if things break down in the pocket, they're able to keep a play alive, keep it alive and throw the ball, or they're able to elude that pressure and pick up a first down with their legs. But I think that's what you have to do now in the NFL. You have all these all these just freakish edge rushers beating these offensive tackles. you got to find a way to make some plays with your legs. And kind of the minimum, I always said, is – the minimum is you got to be able, if, if, if the first down's there on third and five, third and six, you got to be able to pick it up. And you gotta, and you got to be able to make uh, uh, keep plays alive and get out of pressure. I think the minimum for that is somebody with the athleticism of Baker Mayfield. And and, and, and both of them have that and more. And, they can, and I mean, if Justin Fields gets out of the pocket, he's, you know, runs, he could be gone for a touchdown. I mean, he's 4-4. Four, four. Um, Justin Fields is 4-4 four, four, oh, and yeah, a thick 4-4 four, four, too. Thick four so four two. You have that, and then you just have guys with elite arms. Um, you know, with Lance is he just has the elite traits. Um, like someone like a Josh Allen, he just hasn't done it. You know, at at, at a at a high level of competition and done it for multiple years. Take a look at Justin Fields. Justin Fields has done it for two years on big stages in a big time program and and you add that up with just the running ability, the the throwing with anticipation and the arm strength, I think you take a look at you take a look and go. Arm strength, performance, athleticism to escape the pocket, all those guys are gonna have a checklist. Check, check, check over um, being compared with Matt Jones in that case. But I, I will say this, right, just to push back slightly. So Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl this year with Tom Brady. I'm not saying Mac Jones is Tom Brady. But if the throwing is special enough, can you win with a quarterback who's not a running quarterback? And I don't think Mac Jones is a bad athlete. I don't know if you do. I don't think he's a bad athlete. I don't think he's a great athlete. Yeah, so if you so 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 if you have that then 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 you're then 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 you have to have some trait that's just elite if you don't have that running or ability or athletic ability you got to have some trait that's elite um and i look at mac jones and i don't really see any trait you take a look at just him in a vacuum you don't take a look at the skill guys he has around him. take a look in a vacuum i mean i have a hard time pointing my finger on some, some, some something that he does elite like he's one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the current NFL in this specific trait. You know, like I said, we're not in the meetings. We don't, we don't, you know, hear how he does on the grease board unless he's just, you know, like a football savant and he might be. So maybe he wins with his mind like Tom Brady, but he's got to have an elite trait. And right now 
through my evaluation, I, I, I just don't see a Mac Jones having a leap trait anywhere. Now, I want to go to this in terms of the whole Justin Fields thing. How crazy to you is that Justin Fields started out as QB2, and now he's without a doubt QB3. I think Zach Wilson's going number you know, two to the Jets, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about Mac Jones and Trey Lance now. Like, theoretically, I'm not saying this is going to happen. It wouldn't be crazy if Justin Fields is the fifth quarterback off the board. Like, that could happen, Kenny. Absolutely, absolutely could happen. And, and, and I think, it, and, you know, if you're taking a look at, you know, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just looking at the draft specifically. In two weeks from today in Cleveland, if you say Justin Fields is the fifth quarterback taken, I could say I could see that. I could believe that. I could see that. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I could see that. Um, yeah, I could see that. How crazy is that to you, though? He started out as QB2. People... And, and, yeah, and, and three of the guys that pa- I just want to say some three of the guys who passed him, people haven't heard of him before this past year. <laughs> yeah, I mean this happens every year, and you know we're going to the point where we're looking over guys with a fine tooth comb and, and and trying to find, you know, find a flaw in their game. But it happens every year, and I'll just say this too: with the NFL, is the NFL is wrong all the time about evaluating quarterbacks. I mean, they're wrong all the time, and they have so much resources from coaching to research and strategy to scouting to to scouts and going into the facilities and talking with the trainers and their high school coaches and, and private investigators. I mean, they have all the resources in the world, and they still get it wrong more than 50% of the time, Daryl. We went through the exercise a few weeks ago. I mean, you're talking about like a bust or somebody that's – average in a first round quarterback it happens it happens over 60 percent of the time i mean the uh, so 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 the nfl is just terrible at evaluating quarterbacks and i think the thing with the quarterbacks to be very simple is if they're successful is you have to have everybody in the organization rowing in the same direction and on the same page with that because you get a guy coach gets fired gm gets fired New guys come in. That's not their guy. They lose a lot of games. It just permutates over and over. So you really need to have a good organizational structure that all see the thing in the same way. So I think that's the single biggest thing in the in, in if a quarterback comes in the draft, he's successful or not. But it happens all the time, though. Is is the the NFL messes up um, evaluating quarterbacks? Why do you think Justin Fields has fallen so far? Yeah, I mean, I have no idea. Um, he's my quarterback, too. And, you know, maybe it's something, too. Maybe, maybe it's something, too, where, you know, the team that likes them, they want him to fall so he's there when they pick. So there's a lot of things that go into this behind the scenes. And, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're thinking, you know, we're outside the top five, we love Justin Fields, how is he going to get there to us in the back of the top ten or maybe in the fifteen? And where does he go from there? Um, so anything to try to get the slip uh, might be in play. And if he gets past five, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes because, you know, unless Denver takes him, there's not really a team that would make that huge jump up to take field. So the next one would be the Patriots, but who are the Patriots bidding against? So it's going to be interesting if he falls out of the top five where he ends up going, and, and, and who, who ends up trading up to get him, you know? In terms of both Mac, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance, do you think it's more of things that they did throughout the year or more of things that Justin Fields didn't do throughout the year that has kind of made this happen, if at all? Yeah, so I, I'm, I mean, so, so a lot of this is just hard to see kind of like what's true and what's not, so... I mean, I think people like different things. So I think with, you know, with Zach Wilson, you know, maybe they're trying to make that stretch of making throws off platform and different arm angles, maybe making too much of a comparison to Patrick Mahomes. And with Trey Lance, I could see a team, you know, 
definitely like in Trey Lance because if he's if, if he's you know just as big and strong with an elite arm of Justin Fields, they say okay, we have these traits. Let's let's kind of groom him into an offense, and by year three, he'll be like a Josh Allen MVP candidate. Uh, with Mac Jones, you know, you know, all I'll say is with with with, with these is all it takes is one team to like one of these quarterbacks and they'll take them. So everybody has their own, you know, view on it. And, and we'll have to see with Joe Douglas. I, I, I think Joe Douglas, you know, we'll have to see in a few years if taking the presumed number two pick, Zach Wilson, if that was a good move and see how he does as, as compared to Lance and Jones and Fields. So, you know, we'll have to just see in a few years, um, on that, but you know, it'll be better in a few weeks to actually know where these guys go and see what fall was true or false or how it goes. But, um, you know, I think it's probably a combination of both, and you know, on a potential Justin Fields falls, probably liking more quarterbacks and something that teams don't like in him. What team do you think what would be the best fit for Justin Fields in the NFL? Best team that he could realistically go to? Yeah, I think the best team is San Francisco. Um, you know, you take a look at him getting, you know, that that is like a perfect offense for him too. That that run heavy, bootleg game, uh, throwing at all three levels on the field. He's got a tight end. Um, I think that would be a good fit. And the other fit I like, um, you know, we'll have to see about the coaching staff that stays there, is I like the fit with Denver because I like the skill guys that they've developed over the years. A Sutton, a Judy, they, uh, K.J. Hamler, they got the two running backs, they got Noah Fant, the tight end, they got an all-pro in, in, in bowls at left tackle. They have a good personnel in place. Um you know, I just think that Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer might be on their way out, you know, within two years, let alone one. So might get new staff there. But from a personnel standpoint, I like Fields with the Broncos, too. Who would you like to see Trey Lance with? Yeah, so with so so in that case, um, you know, again, and I think anyone that goes to San I, I, I think if those two guys, Fields and Lance, go to San Francisco, I think those are really good fits for both of them because of Kyle Shanahan and the roster that they've developed and his work with quarterbacks. Um, for Lance, you know, I think I think Denver would be good. Um, I think trading up, uh, the Patriots were to trade up and get him because. And that offense at North Dakota State, there's a lot of under center. There's a lot of heavy packages with two tight ends. Um, so, so, I, so I think Belichick would have just an outstanding talent. And you got those two tight, tight ends now to work with. You know, I think it could work with uh, New England, too. And Mac Jones, what's the best fit for Mac? I think the best fit for Mac Jones, too. Again, I, I, I think the best fit for him will be right there in San Francisco. Because of Kyle Shanahan and that outside zone, QB-friendly offense, once you pick up on the mental part of the game, that's a great offense to be in for a quarterback. Now, I I do also want to ask you this lastly about the quarterbacks. Uh, This looks like the first time since, I believe, the 2018 uh, where we had five quarterbacks in the first round because that year it was Baker, Josh Allen, Lamar, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold. This year it looks to be Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, Lance, and Jones. How would you kind of compare those five to each other in terms of a class? Uh, the five in this year's class? Yes. So I think it goes. I think I got Lawrence one, Fields two, I'll probably say, probably say, um, Mac Jones three, then uh, Zach Wilson, and five Trey Lance. 
Okay, so you're so really quickly, you're lower on Wilson than a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so why are you lower on Wilson? Well, so 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 there's a couple of things. One, he's did he. Uh, I don't think he has the 40 starts that I like. Um, and he he really had a meteoric rise over one year. I mean, no one was talking about this guy being um, on like a a first round, second round radar coming into this year. You know, at least Baker Mayfield had you know multiple years at Oklahoma. This is only one good year from Zach Wilson. Didn't play a hard schedule. I guess the hardest team that they did play, Coastal Carolina. He had an average game in that aspect. Um, you know, I like I like the other quarterbacks with their size a little bit more. Um, I think a lot of them have 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 just had success at a higher level. So Justin Fields has done this against Clemson and Alabama. Uh, Mac Jones, at least, has done it in the SEC. I don't. I mean, I, I just haven't seen. Uh, it's a big leap to say from Zach Wilson going from independent football um, and then a makeshift schedule this year at BYU. I don't think they played a Power Five team. Making that leap to NFL starting quarterback and and having to have success against those defenses in the AFC East, like the Bills and the Bakers and the Dolphins, and adding all that up, I just don't see how, um, you know, you put him on the Jets or you put him on any other team, um, you know, I don't see him, you know, being like a potentially as a top 12 quarterback in the NFL. Now, I do want to go back to this. So in terms of this quarterback class to the one in 2018, which one do you think is better? So I think, so I think 2018. I'm going to say just I think 2018, they have um, three guys at least that are long-term answers on the team that drafted them, and then you have one where it's kind of incomplete, but looking more towards a bust and Darnold, and then one complete bust in Rosen. Here is you just take a look at going off what they did in college. Um, you know, I could see Fields having a lot of success, but I could also see him busting a little bit. And then Wilson and Lance just haven't played a lot, in my opinion, in college. So I think the chance to bust is a little higher as well. And then Mac Jones, you know, you get him out of Alabama and playing with great players take a look at just the Mac Jones in itself um, you know just in terms of the talent I don't know if it's a first round talent now there's a lot of things that go into being successful um, with your team and coaching like that so I think you add all that up I think there's a couple more guys that have a chance uh, you know I guess there's a chance that you know three of them you know looking back in a few years three of the five in this year's class have a better chance of being, you know, average to teams moving on from them. And it always happens too. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, you need to take a look at the 1999 draft. You know, I think there was, I think that was the last time four quarterbacks went in the top four or four in the top five. And Donovan McNabb was the only one that had success. So that'd be interesting. You're probably, I'm guessing based on history, you're probably going to have one, that's really good. Two that are high-level starters. Two that are probably going to bust. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then come next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to talk about a little bit more NFL draft stuff. Come next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Despite the fact that he led his high school to four straight state championship game appearances, very few high-major recruiters looked at the six-foot-tall, 180-pounder and said, quarterback. Go it on a dime, like I ain't even trying. Just a kid from Briarwoods, I'm wearing number nine. I coach Franklin down at Vandy, so to Back with Barbershop Sports Talk, we still have Kenny Sim with us, scouting expert for 247 Sports. So, Kenny, uh, Kyle Pitts, 
He's one of my personal favorites. He's one of your personal favorites. Can you just let the folks out there, the people of America, what is Kyle Pitts about? Why are we fawning over just a tight end prospect? Well, he's not a tight end. I think he's more of a weapon or an X receiver because he's ran. He's ran routes at border in that X receiver spot on the outside. So, and, and, and we just haven't seen that just being six foot six. 245 pounds and the running, you know, 444 speed, you know, athletic and jumping. And so you add that up, his height, weight, speed is similar to Calvin Johnson. I mean, we, we just haven't seen that type of height, weight, speed. And then I think you add something that puts him over the top is great hands, big wingspan. And so you add that up with the fact that he could play tight end and be a mismatch inside, but you should probably use it. You should probably use him more as a wide receiver, as an X receiver on the outside. Cause he is a mismatch over a corner, but then he could kick him inside. He could be like a, as, as a tight end running route. So I kind of see him like a Darren Waller type, like 90, a hundred catches, collect a lot of yards like that. You know, uh, Kelsey too. So you add all that up is, you know, it's the same thing with like an Isaiah Simmons is whoever drafts him should have a plan for him already. Not just we're going to draft him and then see what happens. They got to have a defined plan for where they want to utilize Kyle Pitts. And that should be, you know, a combination of tight end as like a, as like a slot tight end, not, not blocking X receiver. And that type of guy that could line up at those two spots, preferably being drafted as a tight end, it, it really hasn't been done before. It's never been drafted like that before. How would you compare Kyle Pitts to uh, the other the, the receivers? Because I think he's transcended the tight ends in this class, the receivers. So the Jamar Chases and the Devontae Smiths. Yeah, so I like him more than both of those two just because of the fact that... So do I. He runs the same as those guys, but he's just got that size ability to line up at tight end. And, you know, it's just... It's it's it's, it's the fact that there's great receivers that come out every year that are top 10 picks. There's not a Kyle Pitts weapon type that comes out every year like this and just how you could deploy him. So, you can't use any of those three receivers as a tight end like you can't Kyle Pitts. And so, no matter where he's at, no, no, no matter who he lines up against, he has an advantage over him, whether it be size or speed. Yeah. No, I. And, and so, I think to cover him, I like what Dan Mullen said. To cover Kyle Pitts, who's a unicorn, you're going to need another unicorn to cover him. And there's just not a lot of teams in the NFL that have that inside defender that could do that yeah he can play outside receiver he can play slot he can just line up as a traditional tight end you can line him up in the backfield have him play H-back and he can block and I don't think people talk about that enough he's a pretty mm-hmm. good he's a pretty mm-hmm. good blocker yes he can yes he can he's he's a he's an above average blocker coming out of college as a tight end yeah so I we, we both agree on how special Kyle Pitts it's so Next, what I do want to go, and, and really quickly, Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith, uh, who, who do you have as your wide receiver one? I got Waddle. Really? Okay, shocker. Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't know if it's that much of a shocker, but, 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 but yeah, I do have Waddle. I do have Waddle at one. Okay, okay. That is, a, that is a surprise. That is a surprise. You don't see a little Waddle on a lot of people's lists. So why is Waddle your number one? Yeah, I like Jalen Waddle because what he got in the Alabama Pro Day is – a lot of times, Alabama has the has the underclassmen run. So um, he obviously didn't run at the two pro days because he's recovering from an ankle. But uh, last year, he was timed um, sub four three, like four two seven, four two eight. So he has that ability to run that. And then he has, I think, out of those three receivers, he's got the best. Um, <clears throat> yards after catch, both on average and total. Um, 
yards he picks up after the catch. He was really explosive after the catch, just like those other three guys. And he's really good with his hands as well. And before he got hurt, I still think before he got hurt um, in the beginning of the year, of the two Alabama receivers, Waddle was the better of him and Devontae Smith. Um, so you add that up, and I love the fact that he played this year and he came back for the national championship and he's playing on a bad ankle too. I love that competitive ability that he has, and he's going to be recovered from the ankle injury that he had too. So you add up all of those. That's why Waddle, um, I got him as my number one receiver. Okay, so then I wasn't expecting you to say Waddle. So I would Waddle compare to Pitts. Would you still go Pitts over Waddle? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. And how big of the gap is Waddle for you than Chase and Smith? Yeah, it's really close. It's going to be those. I mean, it's going to be. I probably have those three as kind of like their own tier um, groupings. All have a chance to make the Pro Bowl. Um. It is close between those three. It's really close between those three. So I gave, Pitt, um, I gave him the bill, um, the edge due to that production, explosive plays. He played this past year um, a slight edge over Smith and Chase. So I think in some ways they're going to be two or three, depending how you stack the board. But I think those are two or three. And I think I don't think you could go wrong with. Um, Chase or Smith as your wide receiver two or three or your wide receiver one two I think you know it's kind of a personal preference on those two I think they're really similar in, ter- in, 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 in terms of their just wide receiver ability so I'm going to go to the offensive tackles a guy you've been really high on is Rashawn Slater uh, is he your uh, number one tackle yeah, yeah, I got Slater's my number one tackle just because, you know, he could play tackle. But I think he could be like a Zach Martin type where if you want to kick him inside a guard, I think he has that ability to play guard for you at an all-pro level like a Zach Martin or Quentin Nelson. But he could also step out and line up at offensive tackle. And he was the one guy. He was the one guy. I go back to that 2019 game. He bodied up Chase Young, the number two pick in the draft defensive player of the year. He bodied him up with a... Uh, Chase Young didn't have a sack against Slater in that Northwestern Ohio State game from two years ago. So Rashawn Slater, you're hearing a lot of Penny Sewell, so that's interesting. You have Rashawn Slater as your number one tackle. So in terms of defensive ends, at first Gregory Russo out of Miami was everybody's number one, and he has steadily fallen off the draft board. Who is your kind of number one edge guy? Yeah, so... This is this is close, and this is going to be one that I'll take a look at really closely because edge is like the number two position in in football. It's very important, but there's not a top ten pick. There's no Miles Garrett, Bozas, uh, Chase Youngs, so it's it doesn't have that type of talent in terms of top ten. But there's a lot of guys that go off the board from about eleven to twenty five. So I think. How I stack these guys up, it's hard still, but I think the three that I personally like um, is is uh, Jalen Phillips, Aziz Ojolari, and uh, Jason Owe of Penn State. Okay. I'm not as high on the Georgia guy as you are, but in terms of, I will say this, I, I do like Jalen Phillips. I think I told you this before, and, but, but also the, where I do want to go first is you're not mentioning Rousseau, and he was a guy that was number one on everybody's boards. People were saying he was going to be a top five pick before the season. So kind of what are your thoughts of his fall to now? You're not even talking about him in your top three. Yeah, so with Rousseau, there's a couple of things that um, are red flags to me. Number one is he only had one year of production and and one year of of playing defensive line and in, in, in college because he was recruited as a receiver, came over and played defensive line. So he's played one year at defensive line. 
And going back to 2019, a lot of his sacks, he had 15 and a half sacks. A ton of his sacks, though, were either lined up as a nose tackle and just utilizing that long arms and length against an interior lineman. And he had a lot of cleanup sacks, so there's not a lot of tape on him beating a tackle off the edge and making a sack. It's either one like the quarterback is flushed out, he can escape, or he kind of just cleans up someone else that caused the pressure and they kind of run into Rousseau and he gets the sack that way. Um, and then at his pro day, um, he wasn't as impressive as I would have thought. So Jalen Phillips showed him up and and he wasn't as explosive with a low vertical, low broad jump, um, not as explosive that you have to have at defensive end compared to the other guys in the class. And so you add all that up with the, just the fact that he's raw too. You know, he kind of just runs into guys, doesn't really know what he's doing in terms of a plan at pass rush and having multiple ways to beat a tackle. you got to have multiple moves in the NFL. He's really raw in that regard. He only played one year. So you add all that up. That's a lot of, lot of cons as opposed to the pro column. Then why did he sit out? Like, I, you kind of get it, right? If a Jamar Chase sits out, like, you know, he's kind of done it all, right? Uh, why was a Gregory Russo sitting out? Yeah, I mean, you know, so maybe he got bad advice from the agent he heard or whatnot. And, you know, I don't know if he, you know, saw the mock drafts and saw that he was coming into the year at least top five, top ten, thinking, you know, if I kind of just opt out, my stock's going to stay the same, um, whether it's that or if he was nervous about COVID where he wanted to opt out or whatnot. But I, I, I think when you opt out, I think you're, um, your stock either stays neutral or it goes down. And his went down in the fact that I just think he needed another year of play. You know, with all these guys that opted out, is you is you don't know, you know, in terms of what shape you're in, how you improved with all the technical aspects of practice and stuff, and you just haven't gotten those reps. So you add that up is you're really just looking at a guy with a lot of potential, but really hasn't put it all together on the field consistently um, with Rousseau. So I think that's going to be a little bit of a red flag now there might be a team that says okay i got this defensive line coach i get this guy at 6'6 265 with that athletic traits let me work with him in a few years and by year three he's going to be a 12 to 15 stack guy in the nfl someone might like that potential to take him maybe towards the back end of the first round and really quickly, this is the last guy I'll ask you about because I've heard you talk about him a lot. Uh, the whole, uh, and I might be butchering his name right now, Jeremiah Asua Kamaru versus Micah Parsons. You're not as high on Micah Parsons. Why is that? Yeah, so with, so with, so with Micah Parsons, I, I, you know, I think, you know, being an, an off-ball linebacker, you know, I think he could get someone at least from a production standpoint similar later in the rounds um, as Michael Parsons got some character and off-field issues that would raise a red flag with me too and you know we just haven't seen him uh, he opted out as well so we just haven't seen him you know play and cover those slot receivers, those tight ends. So how he matches up with that. Yeah, you know, he's fast, but everyone in the NFL is. So so we just 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 haven't seen how he does against matching up with if he has to match up with a Kyle Pitts or a Kittle or a Kelsey, how he does. Or if he could just cover that area as a linebacker versus Jeremiah Awusa Cormora, you know, I think he actually lined up at slot corner the most. But he could play slot corner. He could play off-ball linebacker. He could play up. He could play some safety for you. Way more versatile in what you could do 
uh, and I think kind of that I, I think that, that that that's where defenses are going against all this speed and spread. I think he'd be a perfect defender uh, for a defense. Kenny, thank you for coming on the pod, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks, and then we'll uh, we'll pick it up in a couple of weeks um, at uh, draft time. And once again, I want to thank Kenny Sim, scouting expert for 247 Sports, for coming on the show. Always appreciate it when Kenny comes on. And like I said, guys, we're going to have a lot of great content with me and Kenny coming up in the very, very near future in terms of NFL draft stuff the next couple weeks, so stay tuned for that. But I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode, the 279th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.